Grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please bow our heads together in prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, on this, the day that we commemorate our earthly fathers, we are led to cast our eyes to our Heavenly Father. Because of the grace that is won for us by your Son, Jesus Christ, we now live in that love that you sent when Jesus Christ came to be our Savior. Let us be enriched and led by your Spirit to bring those who do not know your Son into the marvelous light of our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. It is with a deal of trepidation standing before you this morning that there are five other pastors in this room who may be challenging the things that I say because of the very complexity of this gospel lesson. But then I was reminded that I also preached at the call services at one of our seminaries and there were about 200 of those pastors in there but here we go because indeed this is a very complex passage besides that it's not one that is there for the faint-hearted we'll face this very same question one day you see we don't know someone who has come back from the dead I mean, no one that we have known personally has ever come back from the dead. Yes, we do know that there was one man, at least, who came back from the dead. He died a cruel death, but he rose again victorious over death and the grave and Satan. It's him and him alone who we can ask this question, how was it when you were dead, Jesus? He's God. He's our Savior. He's worth listening to because he knows what it means to come from heaven and live among us and then give his perfect life for us that we may be with him forever in heaven. When he suffered and died as our Savior, he also descended into hell, as we have just confessed, but not to suffer, but to knock down the gates of, of Satan and to declare victory over sin and death and Satan and all of the things that hold us down. He's the only authority on life and after death. No astronomers, no mediums, no clairvoyance, no one except Jesus who rose victorious from the grave for our sake can tell us in his words what it means. So we listen to his words today. Listen very closely to what it is that he taught some of us might be a little uncomfortable with this passage that comes from Luke's gospel, yet it's because Jesus wants to hear this message and prepare us for the way that we live here and what will happen to us after this life is over, and he calls us to heaven. So he pulls back the veil from what it is there that is hiding heaven and hell from our eyes and lets us see behind that veil only one of the two places that will happen after this life is over. So we're here this morning since we already know the place that we would prefer to be. And Jesus is going to tell us a little bit more about that. I pray that God's word will give you this hope of this future that God has given to us in Christ Jesus just the way that Jesus intended it to be. 
And in order to get this in the proper perspective, listen to what St. Luke says in a couple of verses just before our lesson. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all of these things, and they ridiculed Jesus. But Jesus said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Thus far that text. You see, Jesus had been confronted by these Pharisees, these rich, elite men of Jerusalem who had their very special places in the temple, and they were trying to squash the ministry of Jesus. Jesus was a threat to their positions of, that they held in the temple. Now, as we listen to this lesson, some people would call this a parable. But really, is it? Think about it. Jesus didn't say that this was a parable. And unlike all of the other parables that he taught his disciples, Jesus names two of the characters in this message. Abram and Lazarus. The name of Lazarus, mean, the name of Lazarus means God is my helper. And, and then he mentioned Abraham, of course. He never named the rich man because he's talking to these very rich, elite Pharisees that he wants to be able to identify with the things that this rich man did. It's all about them. And his story is pointed at them to keep in mind that this whole event with Jesus talking to the disciples took place just a few days before he was betrayed by one of his disciples and arrested by the court guards and crucified for our sake. As this begins to unfold, we can see that Lazarus and the rich man probably knew each other. Lazarus was there before his gate. Both died and went to their separate ways after their death. The rich man probably went to a great funeral with many of the dignitaries of Jerusalem and Israel, attending and saying what a great man this guy must have been. On the other hand, this poor Lazarus probably received nothing more than a pauper's grave, a common grave. So Jesus says to this rich man, says about this rich man, in hell he lifted up his eyes and being in torment and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now to the Jewish people, the bosom of Abraham is an expression of being in heaven. So as we stop and think about this for a minute, the rich man saw Lazarus in heaven, the reward of God's grace. Not only is he suffering in hell, but he also sees Lazarus there in the lap of luxury, living in the lap of eternal joys and bliss. So this rich man is there in torment, and he sees all of these glorious things happening in heaven. Forget about all of the fire and all of the gnashing of teeth and all of the other things. The worst eternal agony in hell is that he will be able to see into heaven. How did he get there? But Jesus tells this story to lift up our eyes so that we can catch a glimpse of that heavenly glory. It's real. People are already there. But how did they get there? It wasn't by being good or trying to do good deeds to earn God's favor. Those good deeds are expected of us, given by God, but we don't get anyone into heaven by these deeds. 
Even though the Pharisees thought that their piety and their good deeds got them into heaven, the only way that God has ever taught us to get into heaven is by our faith in the merits of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and the grace and mercy that comes from God, our Heavenly Father. Nothing else. So our lesson also indicates that there is going to be some remembrance of the things that happened on earth. Remember, Abraham said, Son, remember. People in hell will remember. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything, even the stuff that they wanted to forget about. They'll remember every gospel message that was pointed in their direction. They will miss, they will see every good deed that they've missed, and the opportunities, all of the opportunities that they had to hear about God's grace in our risen Lord and Savior Jesus. Hell will be a place of eternal regrets because they didn't receive the grace that was offered because of what it is that our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for us on the cross to bear their sins and the sins of all of the world. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. It's a place that was destined for Satan and his demons. And because we are born in our own sinful nature and, and we sin daily, we could have otherwise been destined to this hell. But in the mystery of God's overflowing grace, mercy, and peace, God has forgiven us all of our sins because Christ bore them all on the cross. Our epistle lesson reminds us that God is indeed love. We are his children by that love. He loves us despite what we are in ourselves. Our eternity is secure not because of who we are or what we did or what we did not do. It's because God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that we would not have to spend eternity in eternal torment. This lesson means that we need to hear from the rich man's voice in order to gain a deeper understanding what it is that Jesus Christ has already done for us. You see, while we're still on this earthly pilgrimage, we learn that we're always able to call upon God for help. The Pharisees knew that they could call on God for help and that God would willingly hear their pleas for help. They were highly religious Jews. This was part of their upbringing. So in a very prophetic way, catch this now, Jesus tells this rich man who calls out, to, uh, calls out and says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in torment in this flame. But Abraham doesn't have that authority. Christ alone is the one who has the authority to get us into heaven. The man's fate was absolutely sealed. His plea was unanswered in silence. Help me! But it was silent. It means that his thirst for God to hear him, not a thirst for water, but that spiritual thirst that is inside of us all that only God can satisfy, but was there inside of him. Remember when Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me? The rich man's thirst had intensified, not only for water to quench his physical thirst, but that spiritual thirst. 
So Abraham replied to him, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received many good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is comforted, and you are in torment. And besides all of this, between us and you, there is a great gulf that has been fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. See, God fixed a great chasm between heaven and hell. It wasn't just like the fence, the one that had separated the rich man from Lazarus in the earthly thing, in the unsightliness of Lazarus' torment. This barrier that God has now fixed so no human could ever cross from one side to the other. It means that we cannot fix our own eternal destination on our own. But God's Holy Spirit has called, gathered, and enlightened us by his grace to give us life that we may be there with him in eternal glory. But then the rich man ironically turns toward his family and he says, I pray thee therefore, Abraham, father, that you would send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they should come to this place of torment. He began to realize, yes, there is no end to this torment for him. His only thought then was about his family, kind of a missionary spirit that is kind of turned inside out. Maybe he did have a concern for the lost. But Abraham gives us this astonishing reply. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Those Pharisees understood what was being taken. Understand scripture. Read scripture. They have regular worship. Be tending those things. They have the church. They have the gathering of the faithful. Go there. It's all they need to do and to believe and to be saved, to receive what it is that Christ has left with this church. But this rich man must have reasoned that if a dead man could rise and go and talk to his brothers and his father, they'd repent and turn from their sinful ways. Really. You can't miss this. This is one of the nuggets that is in there. Jesus is talking directly to the Pharisees because they had rejected him. Put this into perspective. Jesus did bring someone back to life within a couple of days. A few days later, Jesus went to the tomb of his good friend Lazarus and raised him from the dead. It should have amazed absolutely everyone. Connection of Lazarus in this story and Lazarus, the good friend, is now going to be in the minds of those Pharisees. They should have been amazed by what happened with Lazarus, but it didn't. Right after Jesus, was raised from, Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave, the Pharisees said to themselves, if we let Jesus going on doing these things, everyone will follow him. So they plotted in their ways to kill Jesus, according to the, chapter, to the Gospel of John. Why? Why did they do this? Because Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead for all of those people's eyes to see. And today's lesson for them is now going to be a prophecy. 
It is going to be fulfilled in their sight. Abraham said to the rich man, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone is risen from the dead. Stick around, Pharisees. You're about to see something happen. You're going to see the power over life and death. Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. First, Lazarus was there to show Christ's power over death. And ironically, a few days after Jesus told the Pharisees this whole story, instead of giving glory to God, they crucified him. But we also know that Jesus rose from the dead. And even today, there are those who will scoff and still reject this Lord of life, Jesus, today. Today, we have our Bibles. Today, God has given us the church where we can come worship, where God's word is proclaimed. We are fed through his sacraments. Yet many people still refuse to believe and to be saved. How can we convince them otherwise? Can we raise some from the dead? How can we have compassion for those around us who have chosen a path that is headed toward eternal torment instead of the glory of God's great kingdom? Can it be that the man in hell had more compassion to save his family than we do for those that are unsaved in our community? Have we maybe given up on someone because they've ignored the invitation from Holy Spirit to receive God's grace for Christ's sake? Or is it because we are now asked to watch out about what it is we say in public, in gatherings, so that we can't share this love of Christ in all places? But my dear friends in Christ, he is our gracious Savior. He is our Savior who came to suffer and die in our place, but he is no longer dead. He is risen. And he will return. He will return to take us to be that place that he has prepared for us, to be with him forever, resting in the comfort of the bosom of Abraham, which is heaven, because of the merits of Jesus Christ. And for this, we give thanks be to God for the sake of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.